Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado um, on another Rock Your Socks episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are sharing and telling the real story of cannabis and hemp through the eyes of the entrepreneurs and change makers who are making things happen in the green rush. If you are somebody who's been following me for a while, you know that it is my mission to empower you and the world with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated empowered decisions about how you care for yourself, the people that you love, conditions you may be suffering from, or otherwise just enjoying this beautiful gift of life. So if you're someone who's looking for products that you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com. And if you're a budding entrepreneur or established business owner hitting brick walls and glass ceilings in this industry, if you're looking for banking, merchant processing, stabilized supply chain, quality product, or ways to compliantly market your business, shoot me an email. I would love to hear more about you, your business, and your story. Um, Sonia at medicalsecrets.com is the best place to get me. Can't wait to find out more about you. You guys know that I like to bring on the best of the best folks from all different walks of life and all different facets of this industry. And today is no different. We have yet another rock star entrepreneur in the space. However, this one is a little bit different in the sense that he has been a serviceman um, and is a respected veteran of our army. So I'm super excited to hear more about his story and how he transitioned into the space. Lance is an army Green Beret veteran with various experiences in the hemp industry, ranging from wholesales, B2B business, retail, extraction, and more. We know that there's about a thousand different ways to be involved. So I'm excited to find out how he is making an impact with his two podcasts and owning a hemp retail store with an online store attached to it. No doubt that he's creating some pretty massive change. Um, Super excited to hear more about his story. Help me put your hands together and welcome my guest, Lance is it crack? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> Another one for me. What's up, Lance? Go. Hey, how's it going? It's going really good. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, I have done some pretty extensive research into your personal and professional life. Sorry, Uh-oh. not sorry. <laughs> but I'd love to hear straight from the horse's mouth. Um, who are you? What is your background? And how did you end up in the cannabis craze? Okay. All right. Um, so I joined the army in 2006, um, one year after high school, uh, did the college thing for a year, decided it wasn't for me and joined, uh, raised my right hand and enlisted in the army. Um, I was in the infantry for four years. I was stationed out in Hawaii. That's how you got the the 808 number. Um, and then I volunteered for the, uh, special forces assessment and selection program or, uh, course, if you will, it's a, three-week assessment um, 
period that you go there, you know, you do the rucks and the runs, et cetera, et cetera. And then they decide whether or not you're fit to, uh, be selected for the training. And I was lucky enough to, uh, to be one of those. And so I was a green beret for the last seven years of my career down in lovely, sunny Florida, uh, seventh special forces group. Um, shout out to all those guys still doing their thing down there. I love you guys. Keep your head up. Watch your six. Um, I got into the hemp space, uh, after a, I would say failed, but a, uh, pivoting attempt to go for one of the licenses in Florida after amendment two passed, I think back in 2016, uh, we were getting a team together, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, the ballots, uh, you know, vote, everything like that, 72% vote in favor of way to go Florida, but their program's still in shambles. Anyways, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the regulation requirements or the license requirements came out and everybody was completely shocked. Uh, you know, you had to be completely vertical. You had to have a farm or a nursery that had been in operation for over 30 years, which very limits, uh, you know, limits tremendously the, the little guy to come in. Uh, so the barrier to entry was uh, very steep. And so we just decided to um, kind of pivot to hemp uh, through one of the guys that we were bringing on to our team, uh, who was a um, doing research, his products had been uh, selected by Israel to do testing, uh, his CBD products, et cetera, et cetera. You know, human trials, clinical trials, and stuff like that. Uh, he's based out of Colorado, uh, Endo Scientific, uh, Poly Rotterdam, great guy. Got me started in this. Uh, met him on LinkedIn. Um, you know, cause the last couple of years, uh, whenever I started voting or after the vote for 2016 in Florida, um, you know, I was so focused on cannabis, but you know, he was kind of uh, showing me the eyes of CBD and hemp, et cetera. And so my eyes, you know, the, the blinders got peeled by him back in 2016. And that's when we kind of got started. Um, I wanted to get started into cannabis because I was a brand new father and seeing how the medical community, uh, the medical cannabis uh, community was actually helping out with mostly, you know, the grand mal seizures and Alzheimer's and we're doing really good work for the plant, you know, bringing the cannabis plant to the forefront of, you know, mainstream society and saying that it's not the devil. It's not the devil's lettuce. It's not what everybody thinks it is. And, you know, so I was fortunate enough to have a healthy child, but I wanted to help out parents who didn't. And so that's what got me started in this. And then the hemp side, you know, just then understanding about different compounds uh, different formulations, et cetera, et cetera, and how versatile this plant is. Um, just seeing how regulated cannabis was and then unregulated hemp was, that's why we decided to go from the wholesale side, working with Polly, doing trade shows uh, for his brand, and then just opening up uh, a retail store in Eugene, Oregon. And that's where I'm at today. Killing it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty significant transition from sunny beaches of Florida up to Eugene, Oregon, just saying. Oh, you have um, no idea. I do a little bit because <laughs> I came from San Diego to Denver. Oh, that's not too bad, though. San Diego, I, my mom's originally from San Diego, so I love California. I got a special place in my heart for California. Um, I, I would be there right now, but if it wasn't for, you know, how expensive it was. Because we decided, Eugene, uh, because, uh, you know, getting out, uh, let's see. I decided I was going to get out back in 2016, 2017, because uh, I was coming up on the end of my contract. Um, and so I knew that this was the one that I wanted to do, go to the entre entrepreneurial route and go into hemp and cannabis. And uh, we looked at the West Coast because that's where it was most um, sympathetic. This was all pre-farm bill. So, you know, hemp was still, you know, considered cannabis to pretty much m most of the rest of the, the country. 
Um, and so, you know, we did, uh, my ex business partner was from, uh, Washington. So I didn't want to go there. California was too <laughs> expensive. Um, and you know, it takes that huge amounts of time just to get anywhere. You know, I guess it just depends on where you live. And so, you know, trying to go from you know city to city and doing the research and, you know, demographics yeah. and market research, et cetera, et cetera. We pretty much just narrowed it down by the state, you know, California was too expensive, the taxes, et cetera. Uh -huh. So we landed in Oregon. And so we did, you know, the market, sir, uh, market research on, you know, Bend, Albany, Salem, uh, Portland, Eugene, Grants Pass, and it came down to what was most beneficial for us, which was Eugene, Oregon. There was the school here. There was the widest demographic here. It wasn't as big as Portland. So, you know, the small town living, if you will, getting, you know, able to get close to the farmers, um, you know, the, the little guys, if you will, you know, because you get out in the city, you know, city slickers go to, to the farms. They're like, who's this guy? You know, why is he walking onto my farm, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. you know, so... So that's how we landed up in Eugene, Oregon. And, you know, I plan on uh, using my GI Bill and going back to school here and, you know, becoming a duck. No, <laughs> I love it. I was like, that threw me for a loop for a second. I was like, whoa, that's, that's ambitious. You want to be a duck? I'm not sure they've done that yet. But then I, okay, never mind. Yep, the Oregon ducks. I'll clarify yeah, yeah, that yeah. one for your listeners. <laughs> I literally had a blonde moment right now. That was like, it's all good. It's all good. I'm sure it sounded crazy. You're like, what is this guy talking about? No, oh my God. That's so funny. Um, okay. I have to ask you and just, just tell me if I can't even ask this question, but I've never had a green beret on my podcast before. And so I just have to ask you about this whole thing. Cause I'm like really into this whole coronavirus, coronavirus conspiracy. Uh -huh. And so I have to ask you sham or should I prepare for doomsday? Oh my gosh. I've, you know, I'm going through that same thing myself because, you know, going from, um, I guess for lack of a better term behind the veil, you know, working for uncle Sam and then going to, you know, working on the outside, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. being a regular mm -hmm. civilian. Yeah. You're a uh, civilian you know, work, now. Yeah. You know, we're kind of exposed to certain things on the uncle Sam side, you know, DOD and everything like that. You know, you kind of, uh, it's, I wouldn't say, you know, the army is exposed to things that, you know, the normal populace is not. It's just, you know, you kind of got to put two and two together and look uh -huh. at the, the real, the brass tacks, you know, what's going on. You know, you looked at, at Zika and, you know, SARS and all that stuff, you know, for somebody, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of into some conspiracies here and there, you know, I think 9-11 was an inside job, but, you know, I can say that now because I, you know, I'm not wearing the uniform anymore, but while I was in, you know, that was kind of a, a taboo, but, you know, I still support the troops. Of course, they support the troops. There's no reason why I wouldn't. But, you know, government is corrupt. There's no level of government that is not, um, you know, that's a very uh, broad, you know, turn or a statement to make. So I'm sure there's, you know, some good people out there. I, I would venture to say that there there are mostly good people out there. I, I, I want to believe that the good people are out there, you know. We have faith in our country. and it's Yeah, you know, but you have to, it, there's... There's so much money to be made in the stock market with, I mean, you just look at what the, the coronavirus has done right now. You know, you've seen, uh, you've seen the good stocks go up and up and up, say prime example, Tesla, um, Disney's gone up, Apple's gone up, but Tesla has gone up tremendously and they're not going anywhere. So if somebody can manipulate the stock market with a, you know, a out, potential outbreak, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, to benefit certain companies or to benefit themselves because they didn't get in at the right time and the quote unquote price is too expensive for them to get in because there's a, a subscription service that I, um, I obviously subscribe to that's a stock service. 
and they have uh, buy zones. And you know, once it gets once the stock price gets too high, it's not worth it. You know, your your the potential for growth is not you know what it's uh, you know the uh, analytics says that it's going to be. You know, so they want to get their most bang for their buck. So what they can do if they're in government is you know manufacture these the you know. Um, these stories, if you will, and you know, tank the stock market and then buy low and then just watch it rise because the stock market will correct. You know, it's it's almost obviously it will because we've seen over time that it goes back up. Um, you know, here and there after crises because nobody wants to be in a tanked economy, obviously, and that's not what America is about. America is about staying on top. You know, being on top and staying on top. And so, you know, we're. We're in, you know, we're the best economy that we've obviously seen in America because that's just where we're at in this point in history. You know, it's not it contributing, you know, to one individual. You know, obviously, President Donald Trump. You know, uh, you know, people think how they think about him, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, it, it's just it's very easy to, to manipulate the stock market with with certain prices. And you know, if there's the economy is going really well and you can get in on multiple, you know, buys, if you will. Then you know why not? You know why not take a little hit for the rest of the public because you're not feeling it. You're working in government. You have a, a guaranteed contract, a guaranteed paycheck. Uh, you know, medical, dental covered. You know, who cares about the little guy? They don't, obviously. You know, and if you if you don't see that, then you know, I'm not saying you specifically, but all the listeners out there. You know, if you don't see that, then you're kind of naive and, and blind to it because it's very easy to manipulate the stock market because you see these rise and falls, and you know, companies want to make money. But they also want the other companies that are trying to make money to fail and or succeed, you know, whether they have a vested interest or not. So, you know, with but am with, I going to die from coronavirus? Like, are they withholding information? <laughs> Should I not travel? Like, I'm literally uh, went know, to buy rice at Costco. Like, <laughs> well, so with that, with that being said, you know, there's no reason to mess around with a biological uh, or manufactured, whatever you want to call it, uh, disease, you know, because coronavirus has been around, different types of coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, you have to take your own precautions for yourself. You know, it's, it's like I've seen a video online, you know, you see this guy riding this bike through a crosswalk and obviously the car is not stopping and he's just holding his hands up, you know, expecting the car to stop because he's going to see him. But it's like nobody is responsible for your life but yourself. So I'm taking precautions. I'm not, you know, stocking up on water, et cetera, et cetera, because where modern medicine is going and where modern medicine is at today, it's astounding. You know, the, the life expectancy of us as humans is increasing, you know, based on technology, based on modern medicine, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, take the precautions that you want. I don't want to contract anything if I don't have to. So, you know, staying away from sick people, if you are sick, you know, stay home. Um, but they're saying that it's, you know, it's treatable, it's not treatable. So you gotta, I mean, I don't want to be the guy that says, you know, you can or can't diet, you know, from it because, uh, you know, it's still very new to a lot of people. So, you know, I've got kids, so I want to keep them safe. So I'm not taking any chances. If it was just me, then I'd be like, eh, well, you know, it is what it is. I'm buying ammo and rice. That's it. There you go. Buying ammo. That's, that's a good, <laughs> ammo is a good currency to have. I would say ammo is better, you know, more valuable than Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, I, I would have to agree with you. Um, I'm just tripping out about it. And we have kind of a conflicting opinion. This is totally off subject, but I'm still going there. Um, I, we have a differing opinion in my house because I'm like stocking up my first aids and I'm like, we've got to get the cannabis edibles. I need some cannabis. There you go. And I want some hemp going on up in here. Where's my hemp seeds at? Like I'm collecting my stuff. Um, and my husband's like, 
the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, I am making backpacks with emergency plans in them right now. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm, there you go. I'm fully not ready, but I just had to ask, like, what is the opinion? You know. Well, you know, so you, I mean, my personal opinion is you can never be too safe. You know, you can all, it's always good to have a plan. Uh, you know, that's one thing that the army instilled in me is always have a plan, you know? So if, if it does start to go South, you know, it, the hell in a handbasket, as we say, um, you know, it's always good to be prepared, you know, water rations, etc. So you can't be too cautious, you know, within a certain extent, because it's not like the world is going to end tomorrow, you know, yeah. so, you know, stock up normally, you know, here and there, uh, you know, buy uh, in bulk the more than what you would or add those things to your list, you know, for this month or and whatnot, because, you know, if it does start to go haywire pretty soon, like, you know, people are starting to die on the streets and zombies are starting to pop up, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure you can get to your local your your local grocery store and get what's left you, you know the the necessities but if you buy the things you know that not everybody's thinking about you know here and there uh you know like buy extra toothpaste buy extra deodorant soap you know normal uh you know pleasantries of life so you know once you say the the apocalypse does happen you know you you can still smell good and you know maintain that somewhat you know somewhat quality of life hey, so you don't have to live good, like back in the stone good. age yeah, look good, smell good, and keep that fire in your pocket. Yeah, because, you know, the world, we will bounce back, you know, and, you know, nobody wants to deal with, a, you know, a smelly homeless guy or, you know, something like that, you know. Yeah, so, totally. You, know, you got you to gotta oh still, God. you know, keep your, keep your image up, you know, even in the end of the world. So oh, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know. You're hilarious. I, but you're right. I think the you know stocking up on water and ammo and you got to have the cannabis. You got to have the cannabis. So if you get your seeds... And go for a magical butter machine. A magical butter can make you any concentrate you want. So that's what I would recommend. Hell yeah. I love the magic you have a power butter source. machine. And I have love- a power source. You know, electricity is, is going to be crucial if, if the quote unquote grid goes down. You know, that, that's one thing that I would recommend is, uh, you know, if you do live out in the country, uh, you know, generators or solar panels, if you will, mm-hmm. um, you know, backup batteries, et cetera. Because we live in a, obviously everything is plugged in these days. So, you know, if we... If we have to go without batteries or some sort of form of power, then you know you might as well have some something that you can uh, rely on, so you can get a message out. Or you know you have loved ones that have uh, certain medical conditions and they need to live on some sort of life support or battery power of some kind. You know, and you know it's just those things that normal people. I wouldn't say that you know I'm any better than anybody else, but you know the we've always planned for the worst and hope for the best. So that's what my advice would be: is plan for the worst, hope for the best. I love it. Okay. So you have two po- Thank you for indulging me, by the way. That was <laughs> no <like>. problem. <laughs> I love it. And, and, and I'm so into this conversation right now. I literally like attend a wine and weed event so that I can just bullshit about this right now. Cause I'm there so you go. into it. Um, okay. <laughs> so, but I have to ask you, what are you, talk to me about your podcasts. What are you jabbering on about? Um, tell me like I talk all day. So what do you guys talk about? Um, so it depends on the guest. Uh, it's what's the it's, name of your podcast? The the podcast that I have is uh, the Hemp One Hundred and One Podcast. Trying to you know because I'm still relatively new to the cannabis space and the hemp space. You know, uh, I'm not uh, an industry expert uh, by any means. You know, based on my uh, uh, time in the in the industry. So uh, you know, I'm getting there. I'm pre farm bill. So you know, I've got something on on the people that just got in. You know, this last year or year before, but. Um, but the hemp 101, you know, kind of breaking it down to, to the listeners about, you know, the different experts that we bring on about, you know, the history of the hemp, 
uh, history of cannabis, why it's illegal, um, testing, growing, you know, pretty much just anything and everything that has to deal with hemp and cannabis. We're bringing the the experts on, excuse me, um, you know, to to talk about their experiences, whether it's lobbying. Uh, we've had Richard Rose on, who's the original hemp nut, who got uh, started in the hemp seed, um, the hemp seed side of the house back in I think the '90s. He said, might maybe even the '80s. Um, and then there's another podcast. Yeah, I know that Richard I, Rose. He's awesome. He is. He's great. Like I was just pretty much in receive mode whenever he was on on the show. I was listening to everything that he had to say because, like, <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, "Well, I'm not going to listen to this kid," you know. But I mean, he. I'm glad that you know I was fortunate enough to have the conversation with him because you know he's he's one of the original you know quote unquote OGs that that is in the the space still. You know, unfortunately, Jack Carrera is no longer with us. You know, that'd be awesome for him to see the legalization of hemp you know, and, totally. and him fighting the good fight. And, you know, everybody that got into it, uh, you know, early, you know, the, the guys that were doing it underground and the guys and gals that were doing it underground, uh, you know, before legalization and then after legalization, now, you know, they got into it. They took the risk, you know, the entrepreneurial risk, the jump leap, leap of faith into the green rush. And, you know, those are the, the ones that are getting it done. Separate from your podcast, you're also running a B2B wholesale business and, from what I understand, you're making it happen all over town. Talk to me a little bit about your wholesale business. What are you really uh, specializing in and how are you, what are you solving? What problem are you solving the most often for, for your business, businesses and clients? So what my uh, quote unquote claim to fame is whenever it comes to the B2B side is transparency, transparency and integrity. Um, that's just the, you know, the army values that have been with me. Uh, so the clients that we do work with that are looking for the uh, hemp materials, whether it's CBG, CBD, uh, uh, biomass, the flower material, the biomass that's still on the, the, on the stick, um, you know, hemp flower that's, you know, can be rolled and smoked. So pretty much what we're doing is we're solving a problem for the businesses that want to get into the cannabis or hemp space that don't want to grow or don't have those relationships with those farms or those processors that are making the products. Uh, so that way we're kind of the, the link between them and the client. And then once we establish that link, we get out of the way. I'm not your typical broker, the brokers that I've worked with that, you know, getting my start in the hemp space, you know, Oh, this guy's got this, this guy's got that. Then you find out it's not real. Then there goes three weeks of your life. It's, it's a fucking shit show out there. It really is. You know, <laughs> I've, I've pretty much stopped doing the wholesale deals unless they proof up first, you know? So when yeah. I say proof up, they have to show, uh, proof of funds or the the money in escrow of, you know, uh, or a purchase order. You know, they're saying, you know, us, you know, company A wants to buy, you know, product B from so-and-so and we're willing to pay this price. Okay, that enters the negotiation process. But the people that call around saying, hey, do you know anybody that's got 500,000 pounds of, of the biomass at this percent? They're looking to pay this. It's like, well, let's get them to the table and, you know, let them work it out before we start doing all the negotiations between them and kill the deal. Because I've been a part of deals where the brokers want to add a dollar to, you know, a dollar per pound and something like that just to get paid. And then the, the, the final price back to the client is like millions of dollars or thousands of dollars more than what they were quoted. And they're like, uh, well, no, thanks. You know, I'll go elsewhere. And it's like, why are you doing this? You know, you tell them what the exit price is, what they're paying from the farm or the producer or whoever has the material that's licensed 
to the client that's buying it. You tell them what they're going to buy it for. And then you work out a fee agreement as a broker between the buyer and or the seller. You know, So the buyer is comfortable about what they're getting for their price and you pay a reasonable price to a broker. You know, If a broker wants to charge more than 5%, you're, you're out of your fucking mind. You know, and, and I've seen I've seen brokers. They they gave me a, a piece of paper, and you know, just because I asked them a question, was like, "Hey, do you know anybody that's got this?" And she sent me a fucking email, and she's like, "Okay, my fee is thirty percent." I said, "Get fucked. See you later." You know, it, it's it's a it really is. You know, it's a hit or miss out there. Sometimes there's good people out there. Uh, what is it? Green. <sighs> Green Ventures, I believe. Amber Wilson down in California. She's doing good work out there. Uh, did a couple deals with her. And, it, you know, it's mostly sometimes... It's not always on the brokers. It's mostly on the buyers. The buyers, they're looking for the cheapest price. You know, obviously, they're trying to do business right. They're trying to get the cheapest price for the best product that they can get out there. And, you know, sometimes it's not going to come from, you know, the connections that we have. And that's just life, you know. So, um, you know, working with the companies because, you know, the CBD is so overproduced right now or was overproduced this year. I wouldn't say overproduced. It was just produced in large quantities because a lot of people wanted to get into the industry. You know, it's just, it's drove the price down. You know, everybody's got product they want to move. So everybody's trying to undercut here, you know, make a buck there. So it's, it's an interesting time to be a broker on the B2B side. Um, I don't even consider myself a broker. I just like to, you know, make deals. You know, I, I connect the people, I send my fee agreement and, you know, they agree to it or not and they make the deal. You know, I get out of the way. So that's my, my word of advice to all you brokers out there is get out of the way. Well, I think a lot of brokers are just like making the transition from traditional market into this new age market, which allows them to do what they've always done, which is add a point onto every pound. You know, like you're, if you're new to the game, that's the old school way. It's like, okay, cool. I know the guy. Cause at the end of the day, cannabis and hemp is all a relationship business yep. and it's never, it's never been any different, right? Like everyone's growing the pound or the guy's growing the pounds. The guy doesn't want to know anybody else. Right. So the yep. broker brokers, the brokers, the pounds, and it's a race to the bottom generally, unless you have a quality enough product that you can sort of stabilize. And that's what it is. Exactly. And, Everything and those, you and you're, you're exactly right because the guys that know the, 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 the girls and ga- uh, the guys and gals that are doing the growing and, you know, the labs and stuff like that, those are not the ones I'm talking about. Those are the ones that get it, you know, because they're going to add their price on top, but it's going to be in a fee agreement. It's going to be transparent. If they're not, that's where it's going. That's where it should be. Uh, it's the guys that are coming in, they're looking for the product from their buyers. You know, the buyers want this, the buyers want that. And then, you know, the, then you got to worry about circumvention. It's like, okay, you know, it's why like are a you real wor- estate deal at that point. Yeah. You know, but, but that's the thing. It's like, you know, you enter, there's one party trying to buy something from another party and the people that are involved from there, you know, they maybe finish the transaction based on the seller or the buyer. That's the relationship that that broker has at that point. But it gets to the point where, you know, you got to watch out for the brokers that, you know, whenever you ask them the hard questions, they don't know what they're talking about, or they have to ask their buyer or ask their seller, you know? And so those are the ones you kind of got to, you know, tread lightly with because A, they probably don't know what they're doing. B, they're probably new to the game. And C, you know, there's probably some, some shady stuff going on. You just got to know what your exit price is because that's the thing, you know, there's a deal on the line. Why not make the deal, whether you lose a dollar, lose 50 cents, whatever, and you get paid if you're transparent why not make that deal and get your name out there you know why 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 do something that's going to sacrifice a deal 
you know, just because you want to make a dollar per per pound, you know, but that's the thing. Totally. Is just yeah, work it, work it out with the fee agreement. It's that simple. Yeah, I totally agree. The professionalism definitely has to get elevated up in here because we're, you know, in a lot of cases operating like an old school industry when we're trying to be the new age, you know, of cannabis. And I think keeping somewhat of a grassroots element where everybody can benefit from a transaction happening is good, but there needs to be clear and and transparent agreements. I totally agree. You're exactly Um, right. You know, because also this industry is not, you know, getting any younger. There are people that are coming into it from, you know, big corporate America or the real estate investors or real estate brokers, et cetera, et cetera, the people who know what they're doing. So there's somebody coming in that wants to come after your job. So if you're not going to do it right, somebody's going to take it plain, you know, plain and simple. Absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit about the retail store. I've seen and heard so many people opening up retail stores and I'm really interested um, to know about your store. What's different about you guys? What do you really specialize in and how's business? So the retail store that we have um, was one of a kind because it was not just CBD. It was a hemp store that sold CBD and hemp textiles. So it was almost like a hemp trading company, if you will. Call it the the Amazon of hemp. Uh, Jeff Bezos, go ahead and come after me, man. I don't care. Um, <laughs> the so we we sold clothes, um, you know, jeans, hemp jeans, hemp t-shirts, uh, hemp treats for dogs, uh, hemp CBD. Uh, anything hemp, you know, you walk in the store, it's a hemp store. Um, you know, a lot of companies uh, now are just doing the CBD side you know, or they're just doing the hemp side, but that's the thing. It's a niche market, you know, not, it's, it's not widely known that a lot of people need it yet because it's still so new, uh, to the industry and to mainstream America. Um, so, you know, I've had a lot of interest that wanted to, you know, people that want to take it to a franchise level. And so it's something I'm exploring, um, you know, New York, Florida, Georgia, I think there was one even in South Carolina that wanted to open up a store. Uh, because it's unique, you know, it, it gives them the the revenue from the CBD side. It also gives them the revenue from the the hemp side because yeah, uh, the, these the, ninety thousand other ways that hemp is innovating right now. Exactly, and so you know the 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 I guess the big claim to fame for the store was, uh, you know, we we reached an agreement with Patagonia because Patagonia just came out with a hemp line, so getting the the Patagonia hemp into the store was going to be huge. Um, you know, for the textile side, because, you know, not everybody knows, you know, the hemp brands that are out there, but everybody knows Patagonia. And if Patagonia has hemp, then we're going to sell it in the store. So, Hell you know, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it, it's just the market, you know, the innovation and everything like that, the different products that are out there, uh, you know, bath bombs, the lady, the, uh, the creams for the ladies, you know, the serums, uh, day and night serum, et cetera. Uh, you know, just kind of pretty much uh, providing hemp to the masses uh, that we can, you know. I love it. That's so great. And you said that business is good, that you're looking at franchising your model. I mean, this is, a, this is I mean, an incredible thing to celebrate. What skill sets did you have that could help you be successful? I mean, let's be, let's, <clears throat> let's be fully honest here for a second. No matter how new the industry is, it's getting very crowded very fast. There's exactly. retail stores popping up all over the place all the time. Oh, yeah. um, there is people who are doing things that are somewhat uniquely different. I s- really like your model because we're seeing more and more like the trend is moving towards not necessarily CBD, but 
the answering the question, what else can it do? And so we're seeing the construction industry, industrial industry, the you know, the um, fuel industry is going to be interrupted here pretty shortly, I think in the next three to five years. Um, And I'm just curious to know from you, like there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening right now thinking like, how can I apply my current skill sets to, to make it a benefit, whether they want to open their own business or, um, you know, participate in somebody growing somebody else's brand. What was your past skill sets outside of the army that gave you the confidence to open a retail store? Do you have a team or a partner that's helping you with this or like, are you a lone ranger? Oh, I'm, I'm a lone wolf all through and through. Um, my prior skill sets, uh, I would say are nothing because I'm self-taught. I did this all myself. Uh, you know, uh, Investopedia. Um, I did do a business incubator before I got out. So I did that for a couple weeks. Uh, Bob Foster down in uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida, where, uh, you know, got into that program. Uh, this was whenever we were going to do the cannabis side. Um, so, you know, wanting to do the whole entrepreneurial route, you know, uh, kind of getting a passion with, uh, you know, Gary V, you know, getting that inspiration out there, you know, changing your life, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where I was, you know, I was very, uh, naive when it came to this, um, you know, ignorant when it came to business, et cetera, et cetera. So paying attention to, you know, the key players that were out there then, you know, five years ago. Uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk uh, and his hustle video, just, you know, self-motivating to want to do this, you know, because, you know, I didn't want to work for somebody else whenever I got out of the army because, you know, I was working for Uncle Sam. I wanted to work for myself. And so it was just a a matter of where I wanted to apply that. And cannabis was just starting to, you know, take a boom. And I was like, why not? That's going to help so many people. And so that's where, you know, I decided to focus my efforts. And, you know, once I sink my teeth into something, it's very, you know, very seldom that I come off of it. Badass. And I was hoping you were going to say that, honestly, because a lot of people ask me like, oh, well, you know, what school do I need to go to or with this or that or so on and so forth. And I'm like, man, you got to have a couple of things, perseverance, determination, stick-to-itiveness and the willingness to learn. And you can pretty much, if you're resilient, you can pretty much make it here. Um, oh, that's yeah. not to say, you know, any, any old Joe off the street is going to be successful, but there's certainly a way for you to participate and um, be a part of the movement and create a success story from it, whether you're working for somebody else's brand or starting your own. What have been some of the challenges for you in, start, in starting and growing your business? What are like one or two of the top challenges that you face or have faced right now in growing your business? Um, get everything in writing. Everything in writing. Have a paper trail. You know, you can take people for their word, you know, because you know people. Uh, I've had family involved. Uh, friends involved. And those are the people that screwed me over the most. You know, I had a friend steal equipment from me. I had a friend steal product from me. So, you know, whenever people start seeing the dollar signs, it's when people change. So know who you're getting into bed with, Um, you know, pay attention to it, have, you know, somebody that you can turn to and have a good lawyer, have somebody that you can bounce those questions off of. Where do you go from here? What to do? What's legal? What's not? Um, And then just, another big challenge was just, you know, having 
that recognition, if you will, that, that brand recognition, but you know, just that, uh, that success story, if you will, to give you credibility in the marketplace, you know, um, because you want to start off small, but you know, every business owner, they don't want to be small. They want to be the next, you know, Jeff Bezos or, uh, Bill Gates or, um, you, you know, just, just the key players that have, you know, kind of shaped the entrepreneurial, um, you know, mindset and framework. Yeah. The American Steve Jobs knows. and the Jeff Bezos exactly, vision yeah. for grandeur. Yeah. So, I mean, you just gotta, you, I mean, it's going to take time and that's the biggest thing is, is the time factor, you know, cause I was very, I was a very impatient guy, you know, whenever I first, uh, you know, started doing this, I was like, okay, this, this is going to happen. Then, you know, Oh, I have a meeting on Thursday and okay, what am I going to do from now till Thursday? And then, you know, it's just, okay. You know, you want it now, you want it now. And you know, it's, I'm a millennial, you know, so be it. People can say that what they will about me. I don't care. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's just the, the patience factor. That's, that's been one of the biggest challenges by far is just these things take time. Like I'm not where I'm at today based on overnight success. It takes time. It takes relationship building. It takes that drive and it takes, you know, like you said, constantly learning, you know, cause if you're not learning, you're not getting smarter. Somebody else is. And they're like I said, with the broker thing, somebody else is going to take your job or you're going to become irrelevant in the marketplace. You have to innovate. You have to stay relevant or you're going to become obsolete. Such important advice. I, I talk about this all the time. Like what are the key brand differentiators and how are you marketing to get in front of your consumer? Um, this, these are like, I won't even work with people who don't have a marketing budget built in. They're like, well, we're going to just build the product and then we'll go out and sell it. I'm like, no, no, you got to have like a much more significant plan on how you're going to move and sell product, you know, oh, and yeah. what you might invest in the first, you know, three months, six months, it may not produce anything. You may be a duck out of like totally out of water, no pun intended. Um, But you may be a duck out of water, not knowing how to effectively market. Whereas other folks are working the hardest on their marketing so that they can effectively reach their consumer. It's so important. I see so many folks make, you know, creating the challenge of trying to get distribution, distribution, they want to be placed into retail, but that doesn't always mean that you're making sales. Exactly. You know, like it's, it's such, it's, it's so important. I cannot emphasize it enough to have proper marketing. And it's huge. It's so, everything. So Branding let's talk and marketing. about it for a second. How are you guys marketing your business and your brand? Uh, most of it is social media and word of mouth. Uh, honestly, because, you know, there's so many different things that I'm doing, uh, you know, marketing specifically because we're, we're mostly about marketing other people's brands. You know, we're the location that people bring their stuff to get sold. Uh, you know, so, um, we personally don't have a brand of product because, you know, there's, you know, the, the forces that be just where the industry is going, you know, trying to find the right person that sells the right oil that can make the right product, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but the it, it's brand also, of your store is a brand. True. Yes, true. But like, you know, we don't have a, a, a specific product like a tincture or, you know, a t-shirt yeah. or something like that. You know, really? yeah, we, we put our logos on the hemp t-shirts, et cetera, but it's not like an actual brand. But to brand our store is just is more of an education side through social media. You know, the benefits of hemp, uh, you know, providing that value with the products that we that we uh, that, that I sell. Sorry, I keep saying we uh, that I sell. Um because there there's good bad and ugly out there 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 really is you know the consumer has to be aware of what they're putting in their body what the product is what it isn't 
And I try and do that for them because I try and do, you know, screening, I, you know, get down to the core of what the brand is before they get into the store. Do they sell the right product? Do they do it for the right reasons? What's their story? So I make sure that the brand that's coming into my store is the right brand that I want to be associated with. And that's another, you know, uh, form of branding is just, you know, association, who you're associated with. What are some of the things as a retailer, and this is going to be super valuable for so many people listening in right now. What are some of the key things that you look for? Like what makes you pick one brand over the other? Mm, Well, the quality of product, if their test results uh, actually provide what real, like what is really in there. Um, if, if it's an isolated product versus a full spectrum product, um, but it's mostly about the story, you know, who they are because people do business with people, you know, they don't just do it with products, you know, they do it based on emotions, you know, whether you have brand loyalty or not, people do business with people. And so that's what I try and do as well. I try and, you know, have that relationship with that brand, you know, talk to the right person, because if the owner reaches out to me with their product, and the owner delivers their store to me uh, in the store, then I'm going to do business with them. If it's a rep, if it's this, you know, I'm going to put them to the, you know, kind of on the back burner. But that's one thing that I look for is the, the story, if they're doing it for the right reasons, if they have a cause that they can get behind, you know, if they donate to their own programs, uh, you know, if it's a nonprofit, et cetera, but mostly about, you know, the products. And if it's, you know, because you have to be careful out there because there's, uh, you know, for all the listeners, there's something called white labeling or private labeling. So what these brands do is they will buy products that are already made and slap their label on it. So it's not really theirs. So that's something that I look at as well. If it's a white label or a private label, I don't sell it. If they make the oil themselves, then I look at it even closer. So that, that's one key thing that I look at because you know everybody's trying to make a buck these days. And that's a service that I think the CBD industry should stop offering is the white labeling because so many people are saturating the market, like you said. And so to get back to the real brass tacks here, we need to get the key players that are in there making the oil, getting their story out, getting their brand out, et cetera. Uh, you know, we need to keep them here and get the, the quote unquote fake guys just trying to, you know, come in and make a buck, not saying anything against capitalism because I'm all about the free market. Love it. Uh, you know, cause I'm, I'm here too. I'm trying to make a buck too. Uh, but you know, that's, that's one thing that I look for is if it's a actual manufactured product from that brand and not a white label product. So interesting. I know a lot of companies who work with a base of a product and then customize the formulation from there because frankly, there's not too many things that are different from one CBD oil to a nut to the next. It's all very similar carrier oils. Like there's not too much that's new, um, but there are ways to make it unique. And so that's definitely an area that I agree with you is like, how can we take something there's very few new things in life mm-hmm. and you always have to be looking at like how can you take something that's already in existence and make it better and so i i would have to agree with you there i like how you're supporting the artisan um you know craft medicine maker um even if they can operate at scale you know there's something really unique about somebody who understands formulation and really takes their time um, oh yeah to do that Oh yeah, because they're doing it for the right reasons. You know, the people that just slap, uh, slap it on a bottle. You know, it's because they're trying to make a dollar, and uh, I'm I'm not okay with that. You know, because I got into this for the right reasons, and so I'm going to fight for the people that are doing the same. Incredible, love it. Um, there's the, there. <laughs> I'm sure this is not the first time you would hear this, but there's definitely a fighter in you that it's it's super like 
it's kind of intoxicating, like to, to hear and feel and see your passion. And you're coming from a completely other side of the spectrum, you know, like generally people in the military are not cannabis consumers. They're like cannabis friendly kind of, but they're more like hoorah, here we go, you know, Mm -hmm. and super patriotic. And a lot of sense some veterans are not so much after seeing and being involved, but, um, you know, most, most, folks like yourself with your background have a very patriotic, you know, um, sorry, I got tongue twisted there. Patriotic. <laughs> is that the right word? Yeah. Patriotic. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. I, I got you. I Cause I'm a patriot. It. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> I, I am too. I am too. I think, I think we look and sound like idiots. If you're just like, Ooh, the fucking America is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, um, yeah. It's e- it's easy to do that. I, no, I, I hear you because, you know, working with different cultures in different uh, different countries across the globe, you know, uh, I, I've done presidential security detail for President Obama in, in Peru. Wow. Um, I've worked in Colombia with the DEA. I've worked in uh, Texas, did some training with the DEA in Texas. So, you know, uh, and then obviously, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, I was born in Germany to a military family. So I'm, I'm very open to different cultures. You know, I'm not the closed minded, typical American that, you know, you, I, I, I wouldn't say typical, you know, cause it's a very judgmental thing to say, but, you know, I, I guess, you know, summing everybody up in the, the millennial, you know, stereotype is we're, they're very closed minded, you know, but anyways, when it comes to the culture and everything like that, you know, you have to be sympathetic to, to, to that kind of thing. And so, you know, you understand outside of what just America is. And, you know, that's very few and far between these days, uh, I would venture to say. But, you know, it's very easy for, for other people outside of our country to to see that based on social media, the ignorance that people post. You know, it's it's very, you know, hit or miss. You know, people are doing the right thing. But that's the thing is, you know, that's the, the double-edged sword that is social media is people can literally post anything. And then, you know, people from around the country or around the globe, you know, they see the dumb things, quote unquote, the dumb things that, you know, Americans do. And, I, you know, I'm victim to it myself. You know, I'll put, a, you know, dumb things up there here and there. But, you know, we're all human. And that's the thing. You know, as you can label us as Americans, we can label you as, you know, the Germans or Japanese or whatever. We're still humans at the end of the day. It doesn't matter. Just, you yeah. know, where we're, you know, located geographically or the color of our skin that we were born born with or, you know, the the time of, uh, of the, you know, the point in time that we were born, like millennial, baby boomer, et cetera. Like, fuck you. Like, seriously, it's just a label. Get, get over yourself. Like, seriously, just deal with the people. That's pretty much what it is. When you get down to brass tacks, deal with the person, respect them, they'll respect you. And then we can move forward as a society. Yeah, love it. And that's one of the things I love about the cannabis and hemp industry is that we're somewhat self-regulated right now and we can hold each other accountable for the way that we do this business and how we do business together. And so I'm super excited to be a part of this and I'm really excited to get to know you and to follow along with the success that you're having there and your story um, I, I would love to be, I'm excited to share your podcast as well with our listeners. You've been able to make a pretty significant impact here. So super excited to be able to share that with you. What's next for you and where can people find you if they're looking, uh, if they want to know more about you, your story or your store? Um, so the story is still kind of new, you know, getting out. That's one thing that I've kind of, you know, I don't like to toot my own horn, uh, you know, when it comes to that side of the house. Um, but you know, I've, I've thought about writing a book, um, you know, just my experiences, et cetera, uh, you know, to, to get that message out there because, you know, there's a lot of people out like me because obviously, uh, you know, the war is still going on. We're going on 19 years. It still blows my mind. 
Uh, so, so hold on, let me go off on a little quick tangent right there, right here. And president Trump or Bernie Sanders, whoever the fuck is the next president and the war already. Okay. I digress. <laughs> but, um, oh yeah, my God. Know, we need Follow we need to bring, we need to bring them that. home. We seriously do. We need to be done with that war. We need to be done over there for whatever reason we are over there, whether it's oil, et cetera. I don't care, you know, just be done with it because people are suffering, you know, families are suffering. Uh, you know, and they don't need to. Uh, anyways, so I digress. Um, so if they want to check out the store, if they want to check out some really good quality CBD products, those are the only kind that I sell on the store because I've done my research. I know those brands personally. Uh, check out hippiehemp.co. That's just like hippiehemp.com minus the M. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram, uh, hippiehemp LLC. Uh, you can also check out the podcast, Hemp 101 Podcast on Instagram. That's a relatively new account. Um, and then also you can check out the hemp one one podcast on, uh, Apple podcast, Spotify. Uh, also anchor.fm is the site that hosts it. And we're trying to get it out to, you know, as many people as possible. And there's also another, um, another podcast, um, uh, that I started years ago. It's called if I was president, you know, just kind of getting the guests on and asking them the question about what they would do if they were president, uh, you know, because everybody wants to be president, you know, and they're, they're probably most likely, you know, the stats are against them that they won't, you know, I'm not going to be president anytime soon, obviously. So, you know, it's a, a fun little podcast I do on the side, a political podcast. Uh, you know, you can check out if I was president 2020, um, uh, on anchor, uh, Spotify or Apple podcasts. And then you could also just, you know, reach out to the hippie hemp store or send an email, uh, through the podcast at hemp one one live at gmail.com. And you can reach me personally. I don't have a staff. I don't have, you know, people you have to go through, set up appointments. You'll reach me personally and, and we'll, we'll get on the phone. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your incredible sacrifice and service to this amazing country. Um, and for all of the incredible work that you're doing in your community. And I'm super excited to follow your story. Um, I think you gave some really good value and advice um, for folks who are listening in and for those. And so I'm just super grateful to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, and for those of you guys who are listening in all of the social media handles, um, posts, websites, so that you can follow um what's happening with Lance are going to be listed around this episode, along with the transcriptions and all of the mentionables um, from today's episode. And I'm just so grateful to every single one of you guys for liking and sharing content just like this, because you like and share content and have been tagging five people. We've been able to impact over 200 million people's lives around the world in the last three years. And the number grows daily. We are quite literally transforming the way that we think about and talk about cannabis in our families and communities. And for you, I am so grateful. Um, for those of you guys who are looking for products that you can depend on, check us out at medicalsecrets.com. And if you're a budding entrepreneur looking to solve some of the industry's significant problems for your business, or just want to share your story, shoot me an email at sonia at medicalsecrets.com. I'm your hostess with the mostess, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com.
If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution, and we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live. 